to Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. Corey, there's two words that I got to say about this episode that's getting ready to be launched out there. Holy buckets. Good, uh, good pair of words to put together for this one. <laughs> um, man, what uh, what a time it was to sit down with, I guess we've been uh, been after for a little while, but glad we finally got to nail one down Yes, uh, this week. Um, so lots of stuff has happened in the past seven days since our listeners have have uh, jumped on board. But one of those or several of those things happened to be live shows being webcasted on waltonwebcasting.com. That is very true. And my gosh, am I ever forever thankful for those folks at Walton Webcasting because I've watched a lot of county fairs around Ohio. I think Hardin County Fair was uh, was broadcasted, so that was nice. Yeah. Um, you've got the Illinois. There were some shows in Illinois. There was the Kansas, the, Nas- the National Kansas. Man, yep. Yep. Walton Webcasting yep. is next level goodness. I don't know how else to describe it, but if you're missing out on the world of uh, webcasting, you need to go to waltonwebcasting.com. Look at the archives. Get back and uh, study some footage, if you will. Hey, you remember when we did that Purina deal? A few yes. Months ago? Oh, that was a good time. That was a lot of fun and. If you're unaware, you can watch the Purina Feed Greatness Cyber Show Camp for free. That's killer. On, on the archives and on WaltonWebcasting.com. So uh, take a look there. It's pretty fun. We got to to hang out with Mike Witte and and uh, good friend Kirk Steerwalt. Oh yeah, uh, man, lots of fun there. So you even had some lunch with him afterwards. Good time. Yep, sure did, sure did. So so Trav. Uh, Got some big news here earlier in the week uh-huh. uh, about uh, National Western Stock Show. Yes, but I'm hey, sure, uh, other big folks. news, man. Before we get too far, congratulations, okay. buddy. Congratulations, Director of Ops at the American Berkshire Association. So proud of you. Congratulations, my friend. I, uh, man, I, I didn't know we were going to get to this already, but um, yeah, I, I knew... Uh, I knew last week when uh, we were recording that um, it felt good. I, I just couldn't uh, couldn't spill the beans yet, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was uh, a little overwhelming. A few days after uh, the announcement was made, just the amount of phone calls and texts and well wishes I got, it was pretty surreal. And that's kind of why you know last week um, during the episode I talked a little bit about you know, not settling. Mm-hmm. Um, that was something I didn't, uh, I wasn't, wasn't going to settle for, um, that, that position actually, uh, I applied for, um, before, uh, the national junior show in Des Moines. And so, you know, that was been several months ago now. And, uh, you know, obviously 2020 is a different year in the process took uh took a little longer and and i had a few other job opportunities and positions i interviewed for um but i just in the back of my mind knew that this is something i wanted and uh i I couldn't uh couldn't be more thankful for everybody that told me to 
kind of keep my nose down and find some other things in the meantime to to fill my time and uh tell you what i'm excited to get to work um actually was in des moines uh for the national the national barrow show replacement show oh yeah uh had an awesome time so i'm really looking forward to it uh evidently to be the face of the berkshires you gotta kind of look like one Oh, that's awesome. No, I, I, I know we were we were going to pop off some more big news that just happened, but I wanted to get that out there uh, before before we got too far into it. But congratulations. I'm pumped to see what you can do for the ABA and uh, great people there as well. So you were just saying that the National Western Stock Show has postponed, a.k.a. canceled, their show for this coming year. So they're going to back yeah. it up. To the next January, no National Western Stock Show, January twenty twenty one. Yes, the hundred and fifteenth running of the National Western Stock Show. Kind of sounds like I'm talking about the Kentucky Derby, but <laughs> the hundred and fifteenth National Western Stock Show. Those of you that did not see the press release that came out Monday, has been moved to twenty twenty one or sorry twenty twenty two now. Yep. Um, now been hearing a little conversation obviously phoenix is in december so right you know those of you that have bought livestock already um i know you're going to be like 30 days different on getting them shown but uh there's still shows out there and we uh we're i feel like everybody's pretty confident there's going to be another one pop up similar time frame as denver so um, yeah, and look what's happened this summer, though. You know, like yeah, state fairs right. canceled and awesome shows popping up. Like we're resilient people, and we've proven yep. that. So yep. keep, just keep your eyes and ears open. Um, keep buying stock. Yeah, this you know, I, I'd probably give it a few weeks, but I'm I'm guessing there's going to be uh, there's going to be some news kind of announced because you know this isn't a, a light decision made by. Uh, the national western stock show by any stretch uh, true so very very true let's, let's just be thinking about uh thinking about that crew too because uh, i know that that was probably a tough choice for him to make um in in 2020 but something that they at least gave folks enough time which i'm you know people are some people have bought hogs you know for denver and stuff already um but you know people still have enough time to either come up with a replacement show or, you know, maybe quit buying hogs now for that show or, right. or sheep or whatever. Well, um, I'm all I'm going to say is if I were to buy hogs and I still have plans, you know, you've got the Southeast Regional um, that's there in January. So that's still going as planned so far. So yep. good. But if I'm buying hogs, I'm doing it on showpig.com. Wouldn't you agree? Well, the best breeders and some of the most high quality show pigs across the country get sold there. So I'd venture to guess you probably find a pretty good one. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Um, and you can advertise on there, even if you're not in the market of selling show pigs per se, but you have a feed company or an equipment company or whatever, they've got jumbo train ads that you put out there and thousands and thousands of people can see them. Their inboxes, they have what? I think 19,000 people inboxes that you can get a hold yeah. of. So get a hold of those guys at uh, showpig.com and get your information out there, which in turn gets you more money, I would hope. 
I would think so. So, uh, good stuff on showpig.com. Also, would like to give a shout out to the Wentz. They had a really good run there in Des Moines this past week. Yes, they did. Miss Riley so, Wendt won her showmanship yeah. and got, to, I think, third overall in sweepstakes or something. I was looking I on the so. Instagram. Yeah. So, congratulations yeah. to the Wendt family. Yeah. Um, so, Trev, I, I think now's as good a time as any to do a little hats off. All right. Who's going first? I'll go first. All right. Go for it. So I'm going to keep mine pretty simple this week. My hat goes off to you, the incredible network that I've been able to establish here over the last several years. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I'm not kidding. I talked to talked about it earlier. I was blown away. I, I, I needed a day to sit on uh, some messages and calls that I had to return and stuff like that before I shared anything on on the socials about this new position um boy uh building that i'm telling you there's a lot of good people in this industry building that work um treat people right and uh you know continue to promote our industry and good things will happen to you so thank you to everybody uh this is kind of my public thank you i guess uh that reached out uh, that continue to reach out uh, probably every day. It seems like somebody, somebody new sends me a message or text or calls me. Um, I'm very anxious and excited uh, and ready to, uh, to get rolling here with the Berkshires. So shout out to you. Hats off goes to my network. Oh, big one. Yeah. Got to have the network, man, especially in this industry. Everybody, everybody knows each other. Networks are incredibly important. Yep. Listen to the boys episode. The boys. Yep. All right. This week, my hat goes off to you, vintage livestock sign collector. Look, we all know that you do it because every time there's some memorabilia auction, we contact you. And there's not very many of you out there, but my hat goes off to you because you know where to find them. You walk into the man cave or the barn or whatever. And your jaw drops if you're one of those freaks like me who loves that vintage livestock feel. Got a couple myself. My hat goes off to you because you're a special breed. You know where to find them. And when you do find them, you have a story to tell with it. Talk about the Wentz just a minute ago. Kevin Wentz. You walk into his barn, he's got a story for every sign that he has. And it rubbed off on me for the couple years I worked there because now I feel the need to have prints and signs and all that. So... It's a cool little deal, but uh, my hat goes off to you, Vintage Sign Collector. You know, I've got a new challenge for Walton Webcasting and all the free time that they have. <laughs> I want them to film an American Pickers season oh. specifically for collecting livestock memorabilia. Dude, you're on to something. Yep. We'll host it. That could be huge. Huge. Yep. That'd be cool. That'd be really cool. Um, so what's, um, what's one of your biggest reasons for collecting vintage signs other than they look cool? Um, so it's kind of a, I don't want to say respect. It is respect thing, but like when I look at it and I've, we've got like cool, um, like old oil cans and I've got a, a hog oiler 
um, that, you know, when they were out in pasture, they'd get that to, to get some, um, some oil that they, they lacked naturally. So mm-hmm. like when, when I look at all those equipment and the signs and all that, like I have a whole new respect for those who like were in that time frame. And when I yeah. can own a piece of that, it just makes me like take a step back for a minute. Like whoever owned this sign first probably bought it new. And yes. it's just like now I own it. Wherever this sign was, if it had eyes and ears, we would talk for days. And that's, it sounds weird. I told you I was a freak to begin with, but it's so intriguing to me. Like just the story that that sign has, where was it hung at? Was it in a barn? Was it in, what well, did it never go to a barn? Was it just, you know, so many questions, but that's, that's why I kind of, I'm addicted to, to buying some of that stuff when I can afford it. Uh, is because a, I want my, my barn or my house to look cool one day with some of that stuff. And B like, I have a whole new found respect for whoever bought that first and a never opened it if it was like a bottle of something or kept it that good shape or whatever so that's where yeah yeah i uh that's one of my my things too with and and i'll collect other like vintage signs and stuff like that but my the whole reason i love it is because the story behind it and, and and whether you know the story or not or at least part of it the history that 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 piece has to it like to me that's i don't really get into like art or like sculptures or anything like that right like but but the historic value of those things just that's what that's what's the most intriguing to me right yeah love it so yep okay well i think it's time for breed them ship them show them brought to you by formula of champions Formula of Champions Show Feeds is a premium line of feeds sweeping the Midwest. These products are highly fortified using unique ingredients and consistent high-quality standards. To learn how to flip the switch and bring your program to the next level, check out www.formulaofchampions.com. Formula of Champions, a divisions of Kallenbach Feeds. All right. Well, got a multi-species for you uh, this week, Trev. Oh, okay. boy. This one is a recent submission that I I really I'm I'm intrigued by. Okay, and how many so pre Martins so I can get crucified on social media? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, this one comes to us from Cody on Facebook. Okay, Cody's got to breed, breed them, ship them, show them. Ready? You got a shorthorn heifer. It's good enough to win Louisville, because absolutely crazy when you put a halter on her. You got a hamp gill. It's good enough to win the American Royal, but keeps trying to prolapse. Yes. Then you got a boar goat doe that's good enough to win the Texas State Fair, but has a ticket hoof rot. Braden, Chip, and Sean, go. Oh, Cody. Man, these are always tough because you really can't win. <laughs> it's so many. All right. Let me think about this. So you got the crazy shorthorn. You got the prolapse in Hampshire and the doe with foot rot. I think I'm going to have to ship the prolapsing Hampshire because to me, that is more severe health concern when you're trying to get one right for a show or definitely to breed like total red flag. 
And I also feel like you're not going to get that one to ever look good enough to with a prolapse and keeping him hydrated. But he does say that it's good enough. To, it looks good enough to win the Royals. So I don't know. I, I think I'm out on the Hampshire Gill. Got a shipper. So that means do you show a crazy one or do you show one with some foot rot? I think Tough. I'm going. I'm going to show the Bordeaux because we can really attack the hoof rot as, as much as possible. And he, he said a tick of hoof rot, so it's not like her feet are falling off. Because if I'm stringing a heifer clear to Louisville, that's quite the crazy environment for one that needs to be haltered the whole time. And I'd rather kick her out in pasture and put her to work. So final answer is I'm breeding the, breeding the shorthorn, shipping the Hampshire, Showing the dough. I uh, I don't know that I disagree with that. The only thing is, I don't know. Because I feel like to show one, to get one shown, you could fix a prolapse or mend, a, mend, mend some hoof rot enough to get one shown. Right. So I think that's that's the challenge. However... Docility seems to me to be somewhat hereditary. Uh-huh. I see where you're going. I know, pe- I know people people preach that in the cattle deal. Um, however, I know that a, a kind of crazy one uh, is maybe fun to picture because, you know, they get real high-headed and stuff oh, like yeah. that. So I'm thinking – with, with that in mind, I, I like exactly what you did. I think it just comes down to whether you're showing you want to win the American Royal or the Texas State Fair. So True. that's where I'm at. But I'm I'm probably breeding the shorthorn no matter what because then even if you breed her, you could just sell her as a bread. Right, unless somebody else still want there. Yeah, and get a great picture, and then she's out. And, yeah. Uh, so, but – you know, for the sake of winning the American Royal with a Hamp Guild, I might do that. And that's something we got to consider, too, because this is a breed one, not breed one and keep it, ship right. and show. It doesn't, doesn't, that's what I love about breed them, ship them, show them. There are some loopholes with the breeding side of things. Yes. Because you could breed one, but it doesn't mean it's got a stick. You could also breed one with the intent of creating offspring, or you could breed one with the intent of selling it as a bread. True. So there you go. Very true. And and on the show the show side of things, you could show one with the intent of selling as well. So that's true. Yeah, you don't have to take her home after the show even. Right. Good point. So uh yeah, I, I would I'd probably just flip I'd probably ship the dough because I hate foot rot anyway, and then I'd I'd just risk it with the hamp guilt and thinking that I could keep a prolapse in long enough to get her shown and then hoping she didn't call. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Cody, thanks for sending that in. And remember, if you do send in, and I hope our listeners keep sending in your Breedem Ship and Showems, if we use yours, we're going to put you in a drawing. And we've got four more episodes until we pick our winner. So I think you said every 10 episodes, Corey, is that right? I can't remember what you said. I believe so. So every 10 episodes, we're going to uh, pull a name out of a hat for a free hat. Brought yep. to you by Fierce Threads. So we forgot to mention yep. that. Uh, hats off, of course. Brought to you by Fierce Threads. And like I said, keep sending in your breed and ship and show them. You're going to get you a 
Pierce Thread Embroidered Stock Talk Hat. Uh, check out their social medias, by the way. They've got some crazy awesome videos that they're partnering up uh, with an incredible group of people to remember why we're doing this thing. And that's why we love working with Fierce Threads is because their heart's in the right place. They're just good people to work with. No doubt about it. I've seen some recent work they've posted on on their social media pages. Very, very cool. Uh, Big Paul stuff. Uh, folks, we're getting kind of close to Christmas shopping season. True. Don't, uh, don't be too late and miss out on getting some good stuff from Big Paul Livestock Company. Oh, yeah. Well, Corey, I'm going to let you do what you do best. People know that Andy Rass is who they're going to listen to here just a couple seconds. But we've got some history with them because uh, we both went to Blackhawk and uh, you bought a barra from him, which you'll hear a funny story here in a couple minutes. But please introduce Mr. Rash. Well, today's guest, like we mentioned earlier, is somebody that we've been pegged for quite a bit to try to get on the show and someone that also from what I've heard, likes to send PD invest, infested hogs with you <laughs> on a road trip. I'm just kidding. Kind of. Yeah, not but, so much anymore. I think he's got that under control. Yeah, yeah. I'm just kidding, Andy. Uh, listen, I don't really have a whole lot to say here because uh, Rash is Rash and uh, longtime friend. Glad to have Andy Rash joining us here this week on the show. Please welcome to the show, the man of the hour, Mr. Andy Rash. Well, Corey, uh, it's another big guest and a timely guest because um, we've been trying to get this guy scheduled for a couple times and busy schedules kind of clash, but we finally have Andy Rash with us on the microphone. So Andy, thanks for joining us, man. And uh, we got a lot of topics to cover, but before we get to those topics, just give us the Andy Rash story and tell us the history of yourself and Rash family show pigs in general. Yep, we'll do. Um, so I grew up in Indiana, um, really involved in FFA and, and livestock judging with a great high school judging team coach over there. And I had a couple people uh, kind of instill the love of showing in my life, the Matlock family and the Maggie family uh, were there in Indiana. And really, uh, the rest is kind of history. So I, I left Indiana and came to Blackhawk and judged, uh, and then went to Western um, and judged there. Uh, came back to teach at Blackhawk and coached the judging team for a few years. Um, and um, the uh, then went and finished my master's. Then I actually joined uh, Cargill in 2005 or six, I believe it is. Spent several years there left and went to manage or I was vice president of sales and marketing of a large ag cooperative. And then I actually came back to Cargill uh, a year ago, July uh, as North American uh, pork business involved in field leadership there. So the show pig operation has taken many shapes along the way. Um, we tried through many moves uh, with Cargill to maintain, uh, you know, somewhat of a, I, I would call a show pig business. Um, we've moved south a couple of times, but for the last 10 years, we've been rooted in Kiwani, which is where my wife grew up. And that's where we've really set uh, a stronger focus for Rash Family Show Pigs. And we, we have many breeds. I did liquidate my Polands in the exchange to, uh, sale this year. And we really uh, focus actually now on, on Burks and Crosses primarily. Um, we're really trying to build a cross herd that you know, we can keep several out of for the kids, but also market. 
and uh, then have a few spots and, uh, and a few chesters running around as well. So we uh, ferret two times a year. Uh, try to keep it between 20 and 25 sows. It depends on um, depends on uh, whether I can cannot whether I can stop clicking a button, guys, or <laughs> how mad I get on the day I'm going to load the sows up. <laughs> Totally understand that. Now, you are right in uh, the Kiwani area still now, correct? Right. Yes. Yep. Now, uh, now a good story, Corey. About five miles from Blackhawk. Yeah. Okay. So you're kind of in the same area still. I don't remember if uh, back when Corey and I were at, at BHE, one of the best uh, stories I like to tell is that was kind of the PED spike of things, and Corey decided to go. Uh, pick up a cross bear at your place and we threw him in the back of an SUV. Hey, 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 listen, this, I blame Jared Boyert for all this because he bought a guilt from McCoy. That guilt made her way to your place, Andy. And I mean, that's when yeah. PD was exposed to your herd. I think it was on purpose. But yeah, so I had I had two PED exposed hogs in the back of my hatchback and Boyert was supposed to bring a tarp and the tarp wasn't brought. And so we just hauled those things to the barn. We had uh, about a 20-minute drive of the smell of very ripe PED shit in the back of that hatchback or whatever it was. was. <laughs> uh, Thanks for refreshing my memory. That's, that's good. Yes. So, no, that's, that's <laughs> hey, the... Hey, that Barra also was a no-sale and won the county fair, so... There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Worth the trip. Worth the, tri- worth the trip. Well, um... No, like I said, we got a lot of topics we're going to get to cover, uh, but I thought that I, I could not go this episode without telling that story because it's uh, it's hilarious. But uh, to, the first topic we wanted to cover is kind of just the show parent uh, aspect of things, and you and your family are extremely competitive all across the country, uh, and we just want to touch on what your experiences are and maybe even some advice as being both show dad, judge, and breeder and how do you keep that com- competitive environment going throughout your season? Yeah, um, honestly, this this time of year, um, you know, gets hard. Usually, we do Kansas City. Uh, we did not do Kansas City this year because we uh, were going to pursue the National Western, which, with some recent news, um, you know, kind of fizzled out some some hype there. But um, I'm encouraged by people that um, continue to have shows for these kids. So something will pop up in January. We just don't know what it is. But um, so, you know, the the competitive side of this is, I mean, you either have a will to win or you don't. Right. Right. And and that's in sports. um, That's in careers um, and in this. So I I don't think we ever need to um, criticize or downplay uh, the fact that the, the, the competition itself and the will to win itself is something that's teaching these these kids um, a, a lifetime lesson. And I mean that if you, you know, always say I hire, I hire a lot of people in my career. You give me someone with a will to win and the ability to learn more than taught. And I don't care their background. We, we will figure it out from there. Right. And it's the same way with, 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 the, with these shows um, as far as, uh, you know, trying to keep the competitive edge and you got the three hats. Um, and actually, you know, I would say, you know, four hats, but, uh, with with my full time job and, and and the sports activities that we have around here, um, you know, you, you balance a lot of different things. But you know, it it is a challenge um, at times to manage um, what we need to get done from a farrowing or set, you know, breeding, uh, selling perspective. Uh, but while at the same time trying to keep show pigs dialed in, um, and it has gotten a lot easier the older the kids get to be honest, uh, you know, with Avery being 14 and, 
casting 13. Um, I don't, I don't let the shovel guys. I'm, I'm, I've outgrown my shoveling. Um, <laughs> but they, um, you know, they're to the point, uh, with, with years of experience where honestly I check in, they get them out in the yard and I check in with them. Maybe we work on some things at, at the younger ages, which a lot of these families are, it, it is hard. It takes a lot of time. Um, and I would come back to the, the question, a couple things. Um, there's a balance between will to win and competition and then, and then being a little bit over the top. Right. And if anything, time and maturity will help fix, fix that for most people. Um, I mean, I've, I have done and said some things ringside uh, that I'm candidly not proud of. Uh, you know, in hindsight, you know, my wife probably should have yelled at me before we got in the truck uh, versus, you know, versus uh, let me get through the show. But at, at times you got to step back and, and realize that um, there is no malicious intent, right? You know, it, it is just a competition that doesn't post score, which makes it really, really hard. Yeah. But I think I think it's important as a family to discuss that. You know, we are going to load that trailer every time we load it with the intention of winning. Right. We have every intent. No, no one's going to load a trailer and say, well, guys, let's go get our bus kicked today. Right. So every time we load, we're going to try to win. But at the same time, I feel like we've matured and I hope we've matured uh, into those that can appreciate other people's wins, too. And, and, and that's when it really starts feeling good. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, I've I've noticed that too. You know, we get so competitive and focused on winning the whole thing, which is everybody's goal, right? You know, you, you don't like you say you don't load up the trailer and hope to be second. Um, but when right. you when you do get beat, we're in such a competitive environment anymore um, that the congratulations, man, you did good today, kind of has disappeared in some ways. I'm not saying it's gone because there's there's still a lot of that going around, but. Uh, man, some of those losses can be just as good as experiences. Some of the wins really, and maybe just as important. Right. So, yeah. so Andy, like yeah. your, your good. experience, your experience, what's what I like so much about this conversation has changed over the years. So, you know, you know, in your days at Blackhawk coaching a judging team, um, you know, fresh, just no kids ready to rock and roll, hit, hitting the ring, judging some big shows, that sort of thing over time, obviously, you know, life changes. And throughout that mm -hmm. course of time, I'm interested to know, like, what's your perspective as you step into a show ring now versus what it was, you know, fresh out of school or, or something, you know, just trying to work your way through yeah. getting some of your shows. It's a really good question. Um, candidly, I, sh I shouldn't have been doing some of the size of shows I was doing before, before I had kids in, in my own program. Um, my ego told me I was ready. Right. But I didn't have enough scars. I didn't have enough wounds, um, or enough lessons to, to jump into that size of an arena. And, and, and the amount of money, time and emotions that are invested in these projects, they deserve someone in that ring that is convicted and experienced and has scars. And what I mean by scars is the ability to go out and do exactly what you want when you want to, irregardless of the outside dynamic. That, that's who I want to show to, right? That's, I think that's who we all want to show to. So that is um, probably uh, changed the most, Corey. I think it was Corey who asked that question. Changed the most when, when we started showing competitively. And we watched ourselves go through disappointment, excitement, disappointment, excitement. Maybe emotions or tempers flared. Um, but, you know, you kind of put yourself in a different shoes and now you're wearing, you know, a, a tie and, and you're asked to get, you know, give an impression on a microphone. 
but probably gave me more of an edge um, from a from a describing livestock perspective because I that's all I really want to hear is if we're second, third, fourth, whatever it might be, tell me why. And once they've seen it and they describe them, because good livestock evaluators they know they're lo- what they're loading up on their trailer. Once it's described, I think you should just let your shoulders down and say, at that point, it's an opinion, mm. right? Uh-huh. I mean, it's no, yep. different, it's no different than going to a voting booth, yep. right? So if Trevor describes my animal to me exactly the way that, that I see it and puts me second, at what point do I have the right to say he's wrong? Yeah. You know, so it, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's a really different perspective. Um, I did go through a phase where I, you know, I, I judged a lot in a short period of time. I, I never got burnout. I don't, I don't get burnout. I got tired and I felt like I was maybe doing enough of them that the public needed a break from me. Maybe um, I needed a break from them too, but they needed a break from me uh, just, just to see a different, a different perspective. Um, I know there's a lot of old time breeders that I respect that used to use the phrase. They don't think someone should judge a show unless they ferret a sow, right? Mm-hmm. Unless they've been in a breeding operation. And there's others that say, well, I don't think you should judge a show unless you're X age. I'd eliminate all that. I think anyone capable should be able to judge a show. When you're going to step into a very, very large arena that, that has the, the, the pressures and the environment and the significance of it does, there's a lot of things I think I would put on my checklist, um, being around livestock and having to make decisions that finances are included with, meaning breeding decisions or purchasing bears, right? Number two, um, I really like to, I like to show to people that have held that orange spray bottle. Right? And and they felt it. They felt the, the the emotion of winning, the emotion of losing, and how hard it is to get to that point uh, would be another one. And then uh, you know the other one that I, I think is, is important is that they've they've been students of the game, right? Those are the people that we really like to load up and go show to. That's that's very important, and I I hope I know people are listening, but. And I hear that too with the, like your, your, your statement on the old breeders, you know, you've got to put in the work in order to, to be in the ring, which is true to a certain extent, you know, you got to know why the rib cage needs to be shaped a certain way. If they're talking right. to females or you got to understand why their hind leg is the way they should, or the, the length of their hip and all that stuff is because their long-term value is breeding animals and even as market animals. But, uh, I think that experience can be. Uh, exposed to people in different ways. You know, obviously, if you're in the trenches every day, it's it's every day. Um, but I, I really like your statement on, you know, that's important, but that's not the only thing. Because you think about some of the evaluators that's out there now that maybe has never had a quote-unquote uh, trenches job or whatever, and, and they're some of the best right. evaluators out there. But That's right. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, there's, there's, there's judges that have careers that, well, look at my career. Right? I mean, I, I mean, this is this is a, a good example, you know, of what we're talking about. I mean, my career is outside of the show industry, right? It's on the other side of the boat, right? Um, but it, it's no different than being good at golf or fishing, right? If you if you put your mind to it, you can become good at those things. But you got to practice and be in the trenches. Mm-hmm. Yep. But you know, one yep. thing that's interesting is the the ability to describe. You mentioned something, you know, talking about rib cages and ankles and joint, and why why does everything work the way it does and you know, I mean, that's, that's one of the best teachers I had. I mean, obviously Mike Whitty in high school and Dan Hogue and Bruce and Bruce. Now, I mean, you can't, you can't say that they didn't make me who I you know, was from a, from a livestock evaluator, but at the same time, Trevor, I spending a lot of time with the McCoys out there sure t- taught me a lot about skeleton, mm-hmm. right? 
and the number of hours spent leaning over the fence, you know, looking at a keeper guilt pen, of course, having a Mountain Dew, right? Or whatever. <laughs> right. But, um, but looking at, looking at sows and, and angles and why things work the way that they do and spines. And I probably learned as much just doing that. Um, let me, let me rephrase that. My opinion has gotten significantly stronger because of doing that and then seeing it put into play in my own operation. You bet. Right. But at the same time, I can still remember not to give him a little plug here. You probably don't even know this, but I can still remember listening to David Korb describe a class of crossbred bears that we happened to have two of them in, in Springfield at the Western Illinois jackpot show and walking back to my wife and saying, I don't know that kid very well, but Oh my gosh. I mean, he tore down every bone in, in these pigs bodies. And it was like, who are you? Where did you come from? Mm -hmm. You know? So that, that's, that's the appreciation I have when people can do that. Yeah. And I mean, you know, my background and so do our listeners of the McCoy farm and, and my very, very, blessed to have that beginning uh in my life but i'll never forget speaking of mccoy uh and talking about the scars that you mentioned was you know i was so antsy and this was a while ago and i'm still antsy to get in the big ring but he simply said you haven't messed up enough yet and that that really struck home because it's not that anybody's waiting for you to mess up it's just you're going to learn when you do that or when you buy the wrong kind or you breed the wrong kind or mm-hmm. you simply piss somebody off. You just haven't done that yet. That's right. And, uh, boy, I mean, over the years, I've certainly, I've never forgotten that and took it to heart because you note that and like, well, I'm not going to do that again or I'm not going to use that kind again or so on and so forth. Um, but that really meant a lot to me when he said that because leaning over that keeper guilt pen and, and studying those things goes so far until you learn from what you've done and, and maybe the mistakes that you've made and to make you a better, better evaluator. So this, this really yeah. meshes well with like the next point of discussion, because I think it, it kind of comes full circle and, and rash when you and I kind of talked before, you know, about setting up an interview and obviously it was like fresh into the pandemic or right in the middle of the heat of things when, when it was getting, getting pretty dark there for a little while. Um, but one of the things I know that you kind of wanted to touch on and we wanted to talk about with you was the overcomplication of things. So like the culmination of all this, you know, uh, you know, being a show parent, going through the trenches, judging shows, being a breeder, all those things kind of culminate into, boy, it really doesn't have to be that hard if you really just step back and look at the big picture of things. So let's kind of talk through like, you know, the things that we overcomplicate the most feeding, buying livestock, getting ready for shows, judging shows, whatever it be, mating decisions. Um, let's kind of maybe break that down a little bit and, and maybe kind of share mm-hmm. your thoughts on, on overcomplicating things in our industry. Yeah, it's um, the complicated piece might be that it's a fast track, right, Jane? The generation interval that we work with has taught us that the new bright, shiny objects come out every year. Right. And we're like fish. We just get attracted to them. You know, so it that makes it challenging. So that that is a caveat. The generation interval and the speed speed to change is is exciting, but it's also very, very dangerous. Right. Um, the popularity that a boar has in his first year sometimes makes or breaks them. Right. I mean, yeah. think about that. So, you know, it, that makes it challenging. Um, I would start with the very beginning by saying, um, Focus on you, not others, right? Mm-hmm. 
focused on you and yours, what you have versus what others have. And I think we have we have one area that this industry can can change and it would simplify a lot of our lives. Envy. Stop. Right. I mean, it's if my budget is seven hundred fifty dollars, my budget is seven hundred fifty dollars. Right. If my budget's five thousand, it's five thousand. If my show barn is this way or my trip, each each of you have your own football field chalk. You got to run your own play. Right. But the envy side of this, I think, distorts our ability to keep it simple. And at the end of the day, let's just start with breeding breeding hogs. At the end of the day, uh, pedigrees, especially those that have been around two to three years, you can pretty get a pretty good handle on on genetic potential, right? I mean, on skeleton or um, grow, um, you know, what to protect them on. And then by studying the other side of the mating uh, uh, visually, especially, and I think I don't think we do this enough, is is get out and maybe look at look at breeding stock when they're 250 to 275 pounds, right? Versus yep. You know, a four-year-old sow and a three-year-old boar. I can't tell you whether that's going to work or not. They all look good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then also having the humility to ask someone. If you want, I mean, some of the best breeding decisions are not that I've made are not because I went and sat and studied boars for two hours, mature boars, or you know, um, you put some science formula together. I made a phone call, right? I made a phone call to someone that had some stuff that looked like I needed, right? And Tell, tell me how those fed for you. What are you using this year? Why are you using this? Right. And that's a phone call is not very hard to make. Right. But it's like we keep our own little king. You know, I can't do that because if I call Trevor and ask his advice on a board, it looks like I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. Now I'm this part of the discovery mode. Right. Um, then uh, when it comes to just actually raising, you know, raising livestock, I used to make it so hard. I can't tell you how many calls I've made to people. Um, what in their mind probably seemed like a simple problem. And to me, my, my world was ending, right? Like I, st- I remember the first time a sow tried to eat a pig or and I called Jim McCoy. Oh my gosh, help me, you know, do this. Right. Or, you know, you get scours or, you know, just things happen and, and over, you know, in your twenties, it's like you're freaking out. Right. And now I've got to the point where those phone calls now I have is head knowledge. Right. So you just go through the motion. It's not that complicated. Right. And, and, and you, when you simplify it and you let your mind, use your mind to focus on critical decisions, man, you can get pretty good, right? And yeah. I, I think that you can follow that through um, into these, these show projects. It's, I don't, I hope this doesn't come across, you know, cocky or arrogant. I either like a pig or I don't. And, and I love this time of year when such and such calls and says, well, who's been through? How many you sold? What's it matter? Mm. You either like one or you don't. I can promise you I'm not going to buy one for my kids that I don't like, right? And we, I think we get distorted in the hype at a sale online or at a farm. Um, if you are fundamentally, Trevor, let's just say you're fundamentally, you like to feed them really loose built, bone's got to be good, pasture's got to be good, pattern's got to be good, because you're an aggressive feeder, right? And you jackpot. Mm-hmm. How hard is that? Find it, buy it, move on, right? Say Corey likes to feed him a little bit more on the edge. And so he's leaning towards it. And and he likes to slow feed and he low protein and keep it simple. And he was always focused on the end game, not the jackpots. It's not that hard to find, right? But what will happen is if you two are at the same sale, you'll buy the stout one, Trevor, and Corey will buy the, the skinny good-legged one. And you'll both come home thinking, what, what do we just do? Mm. 
you know, you're not you're not running your play. Yep. Boy, that's that's uh, man. There's a lot to absorb right there, and I'll probably have to go back and listen to that myself. I've already got notes going here, but uh, there's there's two things I wanted to bring out uh, to reiterate, and I don't know if it's much more for you to answer, or just for me to just say it so I remember it. But the phone calls is what you said about making making that phone call, but then, oh, am I going to sound dumb to that person if I say that? Which in reality, if you do make that phone call, I bet the person on the other side of that line has either already been through that or knows a solution. Yep. And yep. and and I, I don't know what you think, Andy, but if you make those calls for anybody listening, they're probably going to think a little bit more of you because you they now know where you're at. And, right. you know, instead of hiding those things, because we've all been through it. And then the, the second thing was the budget part. That has been something that I've had to tell um, my show families that I'm helping now is, you know, well, we only have 500 this year. I know that's not going to get us much. Well, make it work. I'll make it work for you. There, Some of the best ones I've ever shown have actually been no sales or under 500. You just got to feed them right. Right. And, and make it work. Right. Make it work in your playbook, like you've been saying. And. I, I get really discouraged when people say, oh, I don't have that $5,000 to spend on a good one. Well, who says that the $500, like you actually described the kind I like, the skinny, good-legged, just nice pigs that can feed. Th those usually fly under the yep. radar and end up whipping everybody in the end. Um, but that's so important. I wanted people to hear that because make it work in your budget. If you don't have the nice elite trailer walk, walking into the the show ring there use your corn pro it's, it's a matter about what comes off of it not what's not what it's in yeah. yep well hey, I mean, it was uh, a good feeling to upgrade upgrade though. well yeah that's always true yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was gonna say uh I, here's some perspective too and i'm thinking out loud here but like think about how many times do kids or parents get burnt out because they think this thing's too dang hard and, yeah. and you know, they tried to push, they try to do these different things and two, three years down the road, they can't get it figured out. So they just, they leave or they downsize or they, you know, they, they don't come back because, you know, they feel like they don't have an advantage here or there. I really think the positive part about all this is that there's so many great people in this industry. And we've talked about it all the time. It, it's overwhelming how awesome this industry can be to you. If you just take the time to make the phone yeah. calls or grow your network to help you become more competitive in the end. And eventually things will all work out. And, and yeah. I think, I think the, the biggest part about this is that if, if people don't have fun their first year or first two years doing it, they're going to leave. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, I mean, you, you just kind of jog me back down memory lane. I, you know, I'm Avery's 14 now. I mean, that's crazy. Um, but so the the fun thing is is really really important. The budgets they're still out there, right? People say there's there's no there's no cheap you know cheap winners. The highest price pigs I've ever bought never got showed, mm -hmm. right? But I just I, I bought them because I liked them, right? And I had the budget at the time. You know, had the budget to make that decision and pull the trigger. So it's and when you get elite livestock in a setting where there's multiple people that have that want that that elite livestock with but they're gonna get high, mm -hmm. right? I mean I've been there, right? I, I've been I've been in the, in the, in the seat where I'm only going to spend 15 and I end up at 25 and I look over at Tara and she's like, what are you doing? Right. Well, I couldn't help it. Like I wanted that animal. <laughs> um, and that's good for all of us, but 
going back down memory lane, you know, I can remember uh, Avery's first show. We were living in Iowa City, and we fed uh, uh, a couple of McCoy pigs and um, in a neighbor's cattle barn. And I don't even know how I got them. Oh, McCoy stopped and picked them up on the way to Expo. And we got there, and Avery was so nervous. Um, I think it was either Olivia or Maddie called her. One of the two. Uh, showed with her and she was young enough that the, they didn't care right that's how little she was and I can't remember if she was like seventh or eighth but it was it, she got warped. um but then you just keep like you follow like their progression I remember I bought a I bought an aluminum uh bumper pull trailer that looked like it was built in maybe 1960 from uh Carl Peters uh family <laughs> and um that boy we thought we had upgraded then a couple years later I bought a uh, an integrity gooseneck from Mike Murphy, you know, and we had really hit it then. Um, I mean, it was like, you, you know, you just keep kind of gradually going, going up. But then I think about if I go back to the, we have a, a barn living room. I just look at the kids banners on timelines. Um, those trailers didn't do any of that. Right. Mm. Our experience did. And, yeah. and, and I think, I think that circle, you got to build that circle around you that fits you. Um, if you're going to be the student, and you uh, feel like your evaluation ability can be on your own and you feel like you're going to learn the game and you can do it as your own, go for it. Be you, right? I mean, we've got I – would, I would love to tell you I have a lot of friends. I don't um, – I've got very few. I think, I think they're still my friends. <laughs> but our circle's small, um, but we do it on our own. I don't, I don't, I don't, need, I don't want a, a team, so to speak. We are, we are that team. But at the same time – if you're new to this or you don't feel like you've got the edge, you know, Corey, you were talking about you know, the confidence. If you don't have the edge, find that team that's going to give it to you. Mm. Yeah. Right. Cause I mean, these, these groups that create the, the brand for themselves, they're not creating a brand because their pigs are, I mean, yeah, their pigs are good, but the, the brand is you're teaching people that didn't know anything about this, something about it. Right. right? And I, you can name them from Indiana to Texas I, I think it's important that families that are, you know, if, if you're truly wanting to be at the play at the highest level and you don't have competencies or expertise in this area, it's okay. Right. Not, not all of us, you know, we're, we're brought up through the ranks of evaluation or we're taught by the you know, McCoy Trevor, right. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, happen to live next to you know, Wintex. I mean, not everybody, you know, was dealt that card. It'd be like, it'd be like me trying to pick up something new at 40, almost 41 years old. Um, and, and just assuming that I have expertise in it with no background. Right. I mean, I think that's something that we've really got to keep in mind is be honest with yourself on your abilities and your expertise. There is no doubt in my mind that every family out there can work hard. Right. And I, that's one phrase I, I wanted to get in. I am so sick of hearing someone tell me how hard their kid works. I can't, I mean, it literally makes the hair on my neck stand up. They all do. Every kid that has hung a banner in the last 500 years, right, or or their family member or their employee has worked hard. I get it's it is to the point where it annoys me so bad I got to walk away sometimes. It's like, yeah, but old Joe, I mean Joey, I can't believe Joey got beat. He just worked so hard. So did Timmy that just whipped his tail. Right? <laughs> yeah. So it, it gets old. But the, if every family is willing to put in that work, and I don't care if it's basketball or show pigs then be really really honest with yourself on your expertise where's your expertise where's your limitations and then fix that right because if you don't fix it you're going to have a 10-year career of disappointment 
um, it's not going to be fulfilled. You're, and you're going to you're going to do one of two things. Either you're going to admit and be honest, crap, man, I just could not get the I could not get the edge because I can't pick them out like those guys. Or you're going to start blaming, right? Mm-hmm. I couldn't get the edge because they're political, <laughs> or you know they get they get catered to. So if I mean I really believe for these young families starting, I like watching them like at Louisville. Um, these kids are, you know, knee high that can drive pigs better. I mean, it's insane, right? If you watch junior uh, novice showmanship, they're amazing. These oh, families are going to work hard. Find your circle. Yep. And I think, too, what's interesting is that everybody works hard phrase. May I mean, it's said. Everybody says it. But what what you define as hard work is definitely different than everybody else's. Because if if you're not out there when it's, you, you know, if you're preparing for Denver, that's not happening this year and it's, you know, 10 below and wind blowing and it gets kind of crappy in, in January and you're still driving hogs. But Timmy, who just whipped mm-hmm. your tail, is doing that every day instead of just the nice days. That's the difference of, of my kid works hard, yeah. my kid works harder. <laughs> you know, everybody yeah. has that different yeah. that different definition, but it's going the extra mile that'll get you there. You can, uh, I mean, our, our kids, our kids don't maybe put in the hours per animal that they used to, um, three to four years ago with sports. Right. And I mean, social and social activities, but you know what we did? We reduced the number of animals. Right. So it's like, okay, that's fine. I love it that you want to go play sports, but we're not going to feed six for you this year. We're going to feed three. Mm. Yep. You see, and we managed, we managed our playbook accordingly. And the other thing that you start to do is you refine the work they put in. We don't walk pigs. We drive pigs. Amen. Right. And so if I've got three pigs and I'm going to go drive them for 15 to 20 minutes, that's an hour. Everyone can find an hour in their day. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, skin and hair. I love listening to people talk about skin. Skin and hair on the microphone is typically my out for telling you I don't like your pig. <laughs> right. It's like, you know, the pig coming out in sixth, uh, really good skin and hair. What's that mean? I mean, because all the other ones are bad skin and haired. Uh, it's not hard to have good skin, skin and hair if you just put in a little bit of time, mm-hmm. right? And, and, yeah. you, and more importantly, you pick, you pick pins and clean bedding. So if you figure I got three, three projects and I put in an hour and a half to two hours a day, probably an hour and a half, I, I, could, have, I, I could have a pretty good endpoint, pretty good project in the end, right? We used to, dad, I, I almost wore my kids out because we walked – three times that many pigs and we were going to go walk them for, you know, go walk them for a half an hour. Right. Versus let's act like we're in a show and let's drive for 15 minutes. Are you ready to take your marketing and design to the next level? Darbell marketing and design is a livestock savvy marketing agency that will get you thinking out of the box. Every first time customer can get 15% off. If you mention stock talk podcast, visit choose TMD.com today. The difference is in the details. Now, another thing that, that goes right along with that is, you know, a phrase that I, I, we all know that it comes from Dan Hogue perception is reality. And another thing Mm -hmm. we wanted to touch on in, in this deal is, you know, we're all so competitive. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier and there's times or two where we can get a little hot and get a little mad when things didn't go our way or whatever the case may be. But let's touch on the public perception and doing things the right way. And rather it's the mm-hmm. county fair right down the road or rather you're headed to Louisville, whatever it may be. 
perception is reality. And if those see you do something, they think that is that something. So mm-hmm. whether that makes sense or not, let's touch on your thoughts of where we're at in this industry with public perception. Yeah. Um, I, you know, we've got, we, we can't ever stop getting better at, at perception. Right. Um, and there's two type of, two types of perception. One is within industry and then one is outside of industry. Right. Um, but within industry, you know, I think it's important. I go back to you talking about your circles. Um, if I look at a circle of people and I say, yeah, I want people to think of me like I think of them. That's probably a circle I could get into. Right. But if I look at a circle and say, oh, I'm going to go three aisles that over to avoid this person, you know, that mm, probably not going to, probably not going to affiliate with that, with that, but that's my perception. I may or may not know anything about them. Trevor, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't given it, given it a, a chance, but you know, perception I think has changed a lot in the last five years um, because what's happened. So this industry is built off of outside of those that make their living in it, which I'm going to nod my hat to those of you that do that right now. Those of you that wake up every day and make your living in the, in the show pig industry, I, it, God bless you, right? It's not easy. Um, and they, they, they are the ones that fight to make these shows keep happening. Right. Um, but the rest of us, this industry is full of disposable income and no scoreboard. Think about that. I mean, we, everything we buy is, is, is based off disposable income and yet it is one is holistically built off of someone else's opinion. It's subjective. There's no score. So the voices that we have now, I mean, in the entitled voices we have, can really speed up positive or negative perception. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so I, I've spent just as much as Trevor. I've been doing this for five years. What I say matters. I'm going to go to social media and I'm going to I'm going to make a statement, right? That, yeah. You know that that is something I wish we could fix. Um, in the old days. You had to you had to earn something to be to be a voice of that was listened to, right? To cause public perception. You know, in the old days, tell me what trenches you came through and what'd you do, mm. right? The new days are I've got a truck and trailer and a show pig on it, so I can say whatever I want, <laughs> and there's no consequences. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think I think the perception piece we need to manage as an industry um, inside our inside our network inside our industry. We've got to be able, especially the leaders in the industry, to, to, to stop someone from going on a rant about who knows what, right? The judge cheated you or such and such was cheating or they gave their pig something they shouldn't have. And, and most of the time, we don't have a fact. We don't have facts on that, right? But I think the challenge is, is to, to all of the, the leaders in this industry, just, just stop that. I mean, and all you have to do is – I'm just going to pick on Corey – Let's say Corey's going on a rant about such and such judge and such and such family. Um, just just by saying, "Hey, do you know that to be true? Are you sure that's true?" Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it changes things pretty quickly when you ask that question, right? Yeah. On the outside of the fence, we've got to take biosecurity, health, um, you know, health and biosecurity, and um, the development of youth needs to be talked about more. But but we've got to take this more serious. And I happen to be fortunate enough to, to honestly, um, I wear two hats, right? And, and I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm thankful for that. But the, 
the perception outside the industry, um, I think every person involved in this, whether you're feeding two pigs or you've got 2,000 sows or 200 sows, you've got to take the perception of those that have never been to a show. Important, you know, you've got to take them serious, and you have to take those that are in the commercial world's opinions serious, right? Because I loved it that a couple of years ago, and I don't love it. I think it's wrong. I I heard a couple of years ago when we were talking about a terrible disease, right, um, with ASF, and um, the fact that it wasn't going to, you know, couldn't come in. It's not going to stop shows. That that can't stop shows, right? That there's nothing, not, nobody can prevent us from showing, Trevor, <laughs> right? What 2020 to teach us. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't ASF that stopped us, right? But it was something else. We are not entitled. We are not entitled to, to, to get to show. This is not something that is just going to be handed to us. And if you can't take that serious in 2020, you need to pick up golf, mm. right? Because we have got to be very, very focused as leaders on understanding what the public thinks of our gatherings, right? Look at the COVID situation of our biosecurity measures, right? Of the best practices to make sure we're developing good kids. We're under a microscope, whether we want to believe it or not. So those of you that said it can never be taken away from us a couple of years ago, I hope you took a deep breath in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the outside of the fence comment too is, is something I, I've always kind of had to stop and remind folks of, because if you think about it, Show pigs are the only species that we show with without a halter or being able to to yep. brace them or hold them. So if you don't know what's going on in the ring, it's the you know yep. a normal year. The gates are open and and the public's there. They see young kids beating animals. They have, if they have no idea what's going on because that's the only species mm-hmm. out there that is shown with a driving utensil. And and that that example, do you call it a whip or do you call it driving utensil? Um, and it can go as far as, as you possibly want it to be, but it's eh, it's scary when you think about it. It can be taken yeah. away from you in an absolute flash. Uh, but and uh, Corey and I talk about this frequently on here is we've got to get used to talking to the outside instead of preaching to the choir because you know we can talk about mm-hmm. doing things the right way and public perception. Uh, and the listeners that we have are, are incredible, and they'll listen to it, and they'll nod their head to it, but who are they going to tell that doesn't know? Because I think so frequently right. we tell the same story to those who are in it every day, and we all agree, but let's try to get that voice out there to somebody who maybe doesn't know. Yes, that's good. Good point. And, you know, the other thing I'd say is um, we have in our fence, let's just use that phrase, in our fence, our, our warriors that are pulling these shows off, I mean, can, can you imagine the hours, just think nationwide, the hours, the money, and the just emotions that have been put into making sure these kids had a platform to show? Think about what's been invested. Yeah. I mean, from Minnesota to Illinois to Texas to California, I mean, people are pulling these off. And in the fences doesn't concern me. The only thing we need to fix in the fence is inside the fence is just take a deep breath once in a while and, and the percep- going back to the perception comment, right? Um, let's understand these still are humans and they are kids, right? I mean, that's, you want to hit a nerve with, with a few with me is, is when kids get pulled into uh, discussions, um, a false perception. But in the fences, hey, our warriors are going to take care of us. It's, it's the outside the fences that we don't have control of. I don't care if it's basketball. Um, hey, tournament's canceled. We went through that, right? Volleyball tournaments canceled can't do that so 
outside the fence is, is, is something the NJSA, NSR, Team Purebred, um, the Pork Board, you know, National Pork, they are doing an amazing job, right? They really are. I mean, the, the promoting of what we're doing and the, the building blocks we're giving kids, I mean, they are doing an incredibly good job. But how much more powerful can that be, guys, if, if let's just say the three of us, what if the three of us could get three other people a piece, right, to do something to give a positive perception to the outside? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's got to come. It's got to be deeper, you know, and, and no, it might not be that you have the ability to, you know, to, to go put out a, a TV commercial or meet with some other industry, industry leader. But just little things matter. Yeah, no doubt. Man, good discussion there. Uh, Corey, let's go ahead and segue right into what we call the breakdown. Of course, brought to you by Brad Howe Ford. If you're looking to upgrade your vehicle, go to Kokomo, Indiana, slide right in to Brad Howe Ford. With award-winning customer service, they're going to take care of you. And our livestock people makes it even better. So, Corey, what are we breaking down this week, man? Okay, we're jumping back inside the fence here, Andy. This will be okay. an interesting one to get your your flavor on because, you know, from somebody that's bought show pigs and never really raised any, um, maybe once or twice here, I kind of joke around, I did raise two litters of pigs. It did go so well. So I, <laughs> so, I, so I started raising some more sheep. Anyway, um what what are your thoughts on this this overaging show pigs? Some rules that have been put in place here and there to try and eliminate it, or, or at least reduce it. Um, you know, and it just doesn't it doesn't just happen in the show pig world. I mean, we could we could cover every single species with this yeah. this determining age. You know, uh, I always kind of joke around and say um, just because something was farrowed or or lambed or calved a certain day does not necessarily mean that's what their birthday is going to be. So. Um, let's maybe talk about uh, that, about that. It's kind of a hot button topic, a little bit, uh, uh, interesting discussion. Yeah. So, I mean, on the purebred side of things, um, I guess I'd sum it up by, we've got to have some type of rule, um, that's, that we can, we can hold people accountable to, um, holistically. And what I mean by that is it can't just apply to 98% of the people, right? There, if, if there's a loophole, um, if there's a loophole that's going to give someone a competitive angle by overaging, you just made 98% of the people's livestock look, look poor performing, right? Unless yep. the judge calls them out, right? And I have witnessed in the last two years, I still have witnessed a judge or two saying, you know, the, the high performing guilt that we're going to start with. Is she? Yeah. <laughs> is she because she outweighs the rest of the class by 80 pounds? Right. <laughs> so in that situation, um, who, who's right, who's wrong here? We've got we've got the majority of the class all look like they're within 10 pound window, 20 pound window. And you've got this outlier. Right. But if you can't manage 100 percent now, there, there's always going to be a bad apple. Right. But if we can't manage 100 percent, we've got to keep looking for other ways and processes. Right. Because, you know, Corey, if you wake up and and you walk out the Fahrenheit house and it's a, it's a Jan one or it's a December 25th or 26th. And you just say, Hey, I'm going to, I am going to use the days that I'm allowed and that's it. Right. Versus someone else that walks out and say, well, I didn't come to the Fahrenheit house for two weeks. I didn't even know they were born. Right. So it's, yeah, 
yeah. It is it is an issue, but honestly, Trevor, I really never give it any thought. I mean, as a judge, it's like, hey, throw them at me. If I think they look out of place, we'll beat them anyway, right? Um, but on the selling side of things, now that makes it difficult, right? It, it does because, you know, when you take pigs to a sale and um, big, big or small, when's that one born? Oh, that's a Jan 15th. Any way to make her a February? No. Mm. No. You yeah. know, it's, so it's, and you think about some of the some of the sales you go to where there's commingled uh, across a breed, right? Just take some time and walk through and look at the commingled, you know, the certain breed and, and what birth dates are there. So there is another piece of this. Genetics are really, really variable on, on growth. So some of it's some of it's real, right? So, some of it is some some stuff grows and some stuff doesn't. Um, I just don't like I don't like when two percent of the people can get a competitive angle because we don't have the right process. Yep. So is it weighing them? I mean, I, I don't know. And this could hit a sensitive, this could be a very sensitive topic. And I apologize if you're going to get berated by people that um, still think that some of these breeds are relevant to the real world, but they're not. I, I mean, I, I've been through a lot of commercial finishers guys, right? Um, they're not. And, and I understand we want to hold on to the past as long as we possibly can within some of these breeds and, you know, talk about performance numbers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They, so these, those breeds exist because a junior wants to show them. If you take a junior away from some of these breeds, you're going to have 10 guys sit in a circle on a bucket at a, at a, at a show somewhere talking about how good their stuff is, right? I mean, the reason there are so many, right, spot styles is because kids want to show them. So when you think about performance, yes, I can listen to the fact that we need performance in hogs and we're taking away the, you know, the traits. And this, I, I get it, and I'm, I can listen to that story all day long. But I also can listen to the story of let's neutralize this, weigh them, and let the judge make the call on maturity. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know something that just kind of popped in my head is, when does maturity or youthfulness correlate with freshness? You know, do they look mature or are they just old? Right. You know, and that's something that yeah. I guess you, you don't know until you, you, you can do the math and see when they're actually born and where they are today. But some of them are just stale and the, the right yep. age. Some of them are fresh and young, you know, that's. <laughs> yep. It's hard. It, it is. That's what I'm saying is, you know, do, do we, is there ever a process that holds a hundred percent of the people accountable? If there is, I'm all in, right? If there's not, then we've got to look at it a different way. Mm. Yep. You, you know that, what I mean? That, and it's that, just, yeah. That's, that's just the challenge of it is, is finding something that works for everyone. And that's, I think been the hardest part. And I know, just as well as anybody that, you know, the discussions have been made, obviously here in the last few years, we've seen some shows try to try to make those changes to, you know, to lessen the blow or, or make it, you know, more of an even, yep. even playing field. Um, you know, but it, I I'm with you. I think it's got to work a hundred percent of the time. I mean, yep. you might, it's going to be a lot harder for something to slip through the cracks, you know, than if you make it work for everyone. You can't pull hair and blood and tell, tell a pig's birthday, right? Um, so here, here's, here's the challenge I have is that a lot of people are putting pressure on these boar studs, and they're saying they're the problem. They're the one. No, they're not. No, they're not. 
because they are abiding by um, when a sale was made, right? So you could still, if you wanted to, and you ordered the same boar three different weeks, and I sit in the ice, how do you know what sale went in, right? Yep. They, they can't manage that. That's not on them to manage that, right? The other piece of this is if they do hold you accountable, which the majority of them do, right? Um, they'll go, I mean, they'll look back and they'll check. And when did you buy the semen? And yeah, that makes sense. Um, but what happens if Joe has a couple boars out back? Yeah. Right. And, 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 and if you don't think there are good boars still sitting on, you know, breeding operations around the country, we're, you're crazy. There are, right. There's a lot of good, and there'd be, a, there would be a lot more of them. I guarantee you there'd be a lot more of them if we did find that strict process. Right. Um, yep. So Joe gets to use his boar whenever he wants. And um, I mean, it's easy. He creates his own AI, sir. How do you manage yep. that? So, yep. and this is, this is not a show pig problem, guys. This is a, this is a, this is a human condition. Right. <laughs> it really Ethics. is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I mean, wait, wait until you get kids in sports. You'll see the true human condition. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Good topic. Uh, that is the breakdown. Once again, brought to you by Brad Hell Ford. Um, good stuff. Didn't know where that one was going to head, but it's uh, always a, a interesting topic to, to cover. And I don't know that anybody's done it in a semi live setting. So there we mm. go. There you go. Quick break in the action, folks. You guys know what that sound means. It's Legacy Livestock Imaging. Heidi Anderson and Charles Anderson are sweeping the country, taking photos of your livestock, your seniors, or your family, or your wedding. They can do it all. Not only are they capturing what's beyond the lens, but they have a full store of prints that you can purchase, and they're amazing. So head to LegacyLivestockImaging.com and not only book your session with Legacy Livestock Imaging, might as well purchase a print while you're there. Thanks to our folks at Legacy Livestock Imaging for all you do. Heidi and Charles, you guys are awesome. Let's get back to the show with Andy Rash. So, Andy, we'll pull back the, the reins a little bit, uh, but we just wanted to take that 30,000-foot 30, 30, view and just talk a little bit about your biggest takeaways here in 2020. Um. You know, I've been through quite, I mean, I, to, with some really close friends. I mean, I talked to about three people, um, honestly a week pretty regularly. And it's been interesting as, as grownups with kids, uh, in jobs, you know, to think through the emotions that, that even we went through. Right. And I couldn't imagine being 12 or 13, but we're, we're products of our environment, right? We really are. Um, so if I were to have handled the cards that were dealt our way, and I don't care if it's canceling a batting or traveling basketball tournament or uh, a pig show, right? My kids are going to act like I act. They're going to think like I think until they reach adulthood and they can start to create their own, you know, their own opinions. So my key takeaway would be um, the amount of change that went through my mind to get me to my point today on COVID uh, to politics, to show pigs. Um, you know, I was actually jo joking this morning with it. It's not funny, but it is. But like King Cosmaker called this morning. We're joking. And he said, you know how easy it is to fish? You just throw, you throw it in the water. And I think, like, maybe we could go do that. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, 2020 is, is has um, 
honestly, I think it's even made me as 40 years old, you know, even more mature. When this first started, and I'm just going to be really transparent, and if someone wants to throw darts at me, go for it. I thought, this is a joke. You got to be kidding me, right? And then I started listening to, not the news, but to the company that I work for and other large companies that, that I trust and respect, right, and following them. And then I started realizing that, wait a minute, irregardless of my opinion on 2020 or your opinion on 2020, get over it. Right. Who's to say if Trevor and I walk into a gas station together and you're not wearing a mask and I am, who are you to judge me and who am I to judge you? Mm. Right. So my key takeaway is that goes back to this human condition. I don't know how many Americans have become COVID experts in the last year, but man, we're smart. (laughs) Like it's crazy. Like everybody I talk to now is is their, their medical professor. They're a doctor. Right. (laughs) Everybody I talk to is an immunologist. Everybody I talk to is, you know, a, a political genius. It's just it's like 2020 has taught me a lot about, you know, just humans. And I'm not saying it's, it's, it's good or bad, but our opinions are very polarizing and they're getting more and more polarizing every year. And so as weird as this be- might sound, guys, I've actually, my, I have taught myself to be at peace with everyone's opinions on those specific subjects. Now there's other subjects. Hey, I'm not going to be at peace with that crap. Okay. But on those yeah. specific things, why, why get worked up over it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's been a, it, the ebbs and flows of 2020 have been interesting to navigate even as a, a younger person. And, and, you know, obviously, um, you know, we want to go to shows just as bad as the people that have kids actually showing do. Um, and, and we want to participate in all these other things, but I, I've kind of come to realize in this roller coaster, uh, that's been 2020 is just to enjoy what I have more now than what I have in the past. And I, I think that was a big reality check for most people in the country, regardless if you're showing livestock or not. Um, it's just maybe to, to really, sit back and not take for granted what you've been taking for granted the last, you know, however long we've lived <laughs> up to this year. Um, you know, that's kind of a big one for me. Um, but uh, it, it's so interesting just to, to hear other people's thoughts. And obviously I would like to think that there's, there's quite a few people in our industry that are similar minded on a lot mm-hmm. of subjects, but you know, it's, it is nice just to be able to have an open conversation and relate to somebody or at least be able to share opinion without somebody getting overly upset um, right. like the rest of the world seems to do at times. Well, in your, in your close circles, you probably can do that. Can't you mm-hmm. right. You can share an opinion and, and, and not have someone get upset? Um, yeah, I mean, that's it. I actually, I mean uh, the terrible, the terrible outcomes that have come out of this um, will never obviously be, be forgotten. I, I believe I made a comment. I think like our great grandparents, my great grandparents might be like yours. Uh, will forever be, you know, they're not with us anymore, but will forever be imprinted by the Great Depression, Mm -hmm. right? Forever. The way they buy groceries, everything they do. Our generation, especially, especially those in there that are just starting out on their own, or you two, for example, just starting out with in in the real world with a young, young family, whatever it might be, you will forever remember going to a grocery counter and, and there not being any meat. Yeah. And I can promise you that the millennials that live meal to meal in cities, 
they also will forever be imprinted by going to get their their nightly meal and it not being there and, and frozen meat um frozen meat will be more common for millennials for the rest of their life and and those are the things that you can you know people don't think about but it, it forever will it forever will shape us um and the other the other piece to this and you talk you know Corey, about being able to have those conversations maybe one of the healthiest things that's come out of this is finding someone that you can have that open conversation with or multiple people and talking about it you know people don't people don't spend enough time talking it makes me so mad when my kids or my wife will be i say hey what uh, what's such and such doing hold on i'll text them just call them <laughs> like my gosh all you gotta do is press send right and but find those people that you can have those conversations with and have them. Um, we do have a tendency uh, in our in our fence to live in a sheltered world, right? And that's okay. I, I'm not saying that's bad. But once in a while, we got to step outside that fence and look around us. You know, I mean, that, the best experience I've ever had in my life was traveling to Southeast Asia. Huh. You know, I'll, I'll forever be thankful for what what I saw, witnessed, and learned. Um, you know, so it's, I think, I think our fence is safe. It's strong. Uh, I think it's making good young people. I think we got to keep holding each other accountable to be better people, but outside that fence, we've got to have some perspective. Yeah. Big time. It's kind of a funny story and you're head on the nail when you talk about frozen meat being about all you had there at the, at the height of the pandemic. I laughed because I shot my first deer ever. I decided to pick up hunting just to get out in nature for a little bit. And that seriously is about the only meat we had for a solid two weeks. But it just brings the whole perspective back because we couldn't get it anywhere. And it's just, it's mind blowing when you think about history, where we're headed. And yeah, 2020 has been quite a lot. And the smart people, uh, one last thing I wanted to pull up was everybody who thinks they're, you know, uh, immunologist or a doctor are probably the same people who think they're nutritionists and geneticists within our fence. So <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. It's, yeah. It's, you know, there's that, there's just, do we have time for just a quick story. Yeah. you bet. So, I was judging, uh, so judged a few shows this year. I, and I try to take a couple of year at different levels just to keep me grounded. Right. And I did two County fairs in Indiana and, and they were like back to back. And one of these county fairs I did, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. And I mean, it was just packed to the roof. And so I walked into this arena to about 20 people. And it was like, this is surreal, right? But something happened um, during that show. I, I've never like lost, like started crying on a microphone. Well, yes, I have cried on a microphone, but I couldn't get my composure. Like it was, I mean, I almost had to put it down and just walk out, of the, walk out of the building, right? So there was this Chester class. And this little girl who was like Vivian size, she was 11 years old. She had her mask pulled up, you know, real high. All I could see were her eyes. That's all I could see. And, and she, her skin and hair were perfect. And she had this thing perfectly broke. And the Chester attitude kicked in, right? And she, her eyes just changed shape. And she had this look in her eyes, like, don't you do this to me. <laughs> You're like, don't you, don't you do this. I have worked all year to try to get the show they took our show away from us and then they brought it back and I'm wearing this stupid mask and you can just, it was all going through her eyes, you know, and I, she looked like my daughter and, and something my daughter would say. And I started crying. I couldn't get composed. And afterwards her, her family came up and we had a really good visit. And, um, I don't know what it was. Like, I don't know why that child on that day, as many kids as I've judged said everything I wanted to say in her eyes, right? She said, she basically said world shut up. 
right? Yeah. World, I don't care about any of your opinions right now from you self-diagnosed immunologists, right? All I care about is that my Chester guilt gets shown. And I've been waiting three months for this. It was unbelievable. Like, I will forever remember her face for the rest of my life. Huh. Uh, that is that is a it's it's happened probably more this year just that look of man i'm here now and obviously that was maybe a little bit more helpless situation that she was in but yeah right you know there's i couldn't tell you how many times i got a fist bump this year at a show or something like that of somebody that just said thank you with their eyes like the it's just yeah yeah it, it is amazing yep. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, if anything, right there, what you just said, we got a lot of good people, especially we got a lot of good kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. In, in this, and um, the person you're left and right, they went through the same exact thing. You know, some of these shows, we witnessed people refusing to put on a mask to go to a show. Then don't come, just stay home. We had, uh, we've all had seen those moments where someone was refusing to abide by a, you know, a rule or a regulation. And this is just a year where those good people, I mean, you just saw them go through the motions, right? People you mm -hmm. never guess in a million years that would put a mask on and come watch a pig show, they did it. Yep. At all costs, they wanted a show, and those folks made a show happen. So shut up. Yep. Let's do it. That's right. That's right. I don't like it either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, none of us do. No, it's just a do. minor inconvenience. I'm a chubby guy. And now that I'm growing my beard out. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say. I'm I'm two months into my winter beard, and I you, you talk about a weird feeling with a mask. It's awkward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, being being a fat guy with a with facial hair is it's not fun to wear a mask. But by God, if that means I want to, I, I want to see Cosmaker with one. Oh, geez, we gotta get, we gotta get a picture of Cosmaker. <laughs> we'll get one. That I I would like to think that he probably needs to wear a custom face mask. That, you know, <laughs> <laughs> almost a beard net, almost a beard net with a face mask built in. I'm thinking so, yeah. It'd be more like a thong for your face, let's be honest. I just have to go through all the... <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Andy, oh, uh, it's been a good one. We're going to leave you with one last question. We've asked all of our guests this, and it kind of parlays, and it's going to yep. tie everything back in together. But we ask everybody in 2020 here, what lessons has the stock show industry taught you? Um you get what you, you get, what you put in, you get out of it, what you put in. And, uh, you know, it's, um, if you want to jump in head first and you want to try to be better every year, it's the platform that allows you to do that. Um, and, and honestly, it's, it's something that, um, not many industries, not many things, not many stuff you can do can give you, give you that platform to do that. So man, I went back and you know, used the phrase earlier, learn more than taught. You can do that every year in this industry. Mm -hmm. Big time. Good well, stuff. we Good uh, stuff. gave our listeners a wealth of uh, listenership. I, I was all you. I just I sit here and write notes with you. So uh, we appreciate you jumping on here and, and spilling your, your story and your thoughts on, on what's been going on. And we truly appreciate it and uh, hope to see you down at the next show. You bet. Thank you. You betcha. We'll see you. Ooh, hope people were listening. Uh, that uh, that guy right there is passionate and love to hear him talk livestock and things that we discussed there needed to be said. So we appreciate Andy 
just throwing it out there, doing what he does best, sharing his sharing his thoughts. So, um, man, oh man, fill your notebooks, yeah. up, folks. Yep. Every once in a while, I, I do wish I had the opportunity to judge for Andy when he was at Blackhawk, just because I feel like um, his passion for this thing. I, I mean, I couldn't couldn't imagine like a pregame speech before you head out uh, of the 15 passenger van to go judge uh, at a major at a major livestock judging event. Yes. Um, probably make you want to run through a brick wall. That's the truth. And but, uh, if you've no, seen his grand drive speech, he gets everybody hyped up for the industry. Yeah. So just a good dude yeah. and a good guy to lead the industry there. So we're thankful that uh, he uh, finally got him scheduled and um, for the world to, to hear. So, guys, um, we appreciate each and every one of you. Please give us a uh, good rating, if possible, or honest opinion would be even more valued on Apple Podcasts. If that's where you, where you listen to us, give us a thumbs up on Facebook. Uh, catch us on all the socials. We have a TikTok account, but we don't use it. <laughs> uh, but there may be something coming down the pipeline there. So, uh, Corey, if you don't have anything else to say, uh, the good folks, uh, I've been listening to us every week, and we're approaching 100 episodes. I know we're still in the 80s here, uh, but we're kind of throwing some things around there. We are. I'm excited. Uh, I wonder if we'll be able to pull off an event. I'm not sure, but uh, I will say this. There is going to be lots of opportunity between now and then, uh, maybe some giveaways, some cool stuff going on. I, I'm just so thankful to our listeners. Uh, also, if you would like, uh, I'm considering next year. Think about this, Trevor. We're, we are currently, uh, NFL season has started. I'm a big Colts fans. Unfortunately, we lost the worst team in the NFL this past weekend. It was a little rough kind of a day. However, uh, I'm, I'm wondering if we shouldn't do a stock talk fantasy football league for next year. Oh. And like maybe the winner of the league gets a prize back or something like that. There you go. Year. So be thinking about that folks, as you're watching this NFL season, what players you like, uh, get that draft board set because next year could get serious. You don't know. Oh boy. I'm pumped. Well guys, we really appreciate you. And like I said, leave us a review. That really helps us out. And uh, a lot of cool things coming at once. We just got to shuffle it and uh, organize it. So next week's going to be another good one. Uh, we've got a couple options. We just got to pick which way we're going. And uh, as always, we'll see you next Wednesday.